So now with Siyata Dishmaya, let's continue on our lessons and learning how to know what we're saying when we're standing before the King of Kings and our tefillah. So now let's talk about techniques. And this is these are techniques for better kavanah. So how to prepare for prayer. So here's some, some guidelines for the Ramban. So what is meant by proper intention? One should clear his mind from all thoughts and envision herself as standing before the divine presence. Therefore, one must sit a short while before praying in order to focus her attention and then pray in a pleasant and supplicatory fashion. One should not pray as one carrying a burden who throws it off and walks away. So therefore, one must sit a short while after praying and then leave. So for preparation, as a Rambam points out that we're about to have an audience with the king of the universe. We need to get into the right frame of mind before we can speak to him. We can't just rush in and start praying. We need to give some thought about what we're about to do. So if we stop to think about the meetings that we have with God on a daily basis, it should give us pause. Imagine what's really happening. We're standing before Hashem, who has the ability to respond to all your requests. He is all-powerful and anticipates our needs even before we ask Him. How powerful and how wonderful would it be if we were mindful of our thoughts and requests to Hashem and articulated them clearly and sincerely? How remarkable it would be if we prayed with genuine emotion. And so this, this, this whole lesson here presents some of the wisdom of our sages as well as the advice of contemporary rabbis to make the tefillah experience a more meaningful one. And so if you daven, let's say if a person's davening with a minyan, you know, this is more for men, but let's say women when we go to shul and you want to be there, you want to be there when there's a minyan present, it's extremely important to start on time. Why? As you'll see, a prompt start, especially for the shacharit service, is needed to transition from our mundane activities to an audience with the king of the universe. Rabbi Herschel Schachter once observed that if one arrives on time for services, he is already five minutes late. In the morning, a shacharit, an adult male, will need time to put on his talis and tefillin and recite brachot in order to start prayers with the bal tefillah. And some resolve the dishacharit issues by arriving much earlier at morning services and getting a head start on the davening or alternatively reciting all the preliminary brachot and portions about the sacrifices at home before they leave for shul. So even though the afternoon mincha and evening mari services do not require tefillin and talis for men, it's still vital to arrive at services a few minutes early. So why? Minha services are often held during the middle of the workday, so when it's hard to concentrate because our minds are on business or on school activities. And similarly, at the end of a long day, it's often hard to focus on the prayers of Marif because we're tired. So we need an extra dose of inspiration and a few minutes of spiritual preparation to get into the mood to daven properly. And some have suggested that these few minutes should be devoted to meditation. So... The greatest challenges that we face in achieving concentration, kavanan davening, is that we're often distracted by our own thoughts and other interruptions. And thoughts may invade our mind about matters that we have nothing to do with prayer. So to illustrate this, like at afternoon mincha services, especially in the winter, when they may take place in the middle of the workday or school day, each person may have other things in their mind, negotiations for a pending business deal, preparations for a final exam, or even spontaneous insights about a major, let's say, um, halachic uh, dilemma. So how do we exit our often hectic and demanding lives and enter a peaceful spiritual mindset to speak to God?
So this transition is not easy, and it never was. And we learned that early pious Jews would literally prepare for an hour before beginning their prayers. In fact, these most devoted and righteous individuals spent an hour before and after each service, morning, noon, and night. And our sages were concerned that such a demanding regiment would not leave adequate time for the study or learning of Torah, which is the highest value of our people. So they limited the amount of time that we should devote to prayer. So what's clear from this discussion is that we should not begin our services to God without careful preparation. And one positive strategy to help us address the need to better focus on our prayers is the recognition that in our fast-moving, hustle-bustle society, we really do have much on our minds. And one rabbi developed a plan to take issues off his mind by putting them on paper. So he writes a daily list of the problems that most affect him. And once he has his list on paper, he can approach prayer with a clear mind. And cell phones going off during davening are also a major disruption. So it's recommended with the exception of emergency situation that your phone be turned off or placed on airplane mode. So in the event of a possible emergency, the phone should be put on vibrate. And talking, of course, during services is both disturbing and disrespectful. So the only time that it can be permissible to talk and socialize is after services has, has ended. And during services, not only does the talker not daven, she prevents others from doing so. And as a result, the talker has disrupted the serious kavana of the shul by distracting others. So when we attend a shul on a regular basis, you have to select, whether possible, a permanent place in the synagogue to daven. So what's so important about having a set place? So Rabbi Helbo said that Rav Huna said, one who sets a fixed time or fixed place for his prayer, the God of Abraham assists him, as it's written. And Abraham rose in the morning to, to the place where he had stood before God. And the word standing means nothing other than prayer. So what was so special about Abraham's fixed place, place for prayer? And what can we learn from it? So it was nothing less than his personal meeting place with God, where he could pour out his heart and cling to God in the spirit of the Vekas. The Vekas is one of the highest levels of intimacy that man can have with God. In the sense, Abraham was never away from God. Abraham's relationship with Hashem was not occasional. It was ongoing. And what this Vekas meant to God was that the Shekhinah was always with him, particularly during the special times when he prayed and was reassured by the warmth and intimacy of the Holy One, blessed be he. So interestingly, the term for describing a set place for prayer is called Makom Kavua, while one of God's synonyms is Hamakom, the place of the world. So Hashem is really in every place, everywhere, at the same time. It is man who travels from place to place. So wherever a person establishes a place with God, then Hashem is already there. But like Abraham, when we establish the place, it becomes Hashem's place with us. And that place can become the location for an intimate meeting between man and God on the highest level of the Vegas. And so some suggest that one who has a set place for prayer places prayer on a high spiritual plane, demonstrating that prayer is not a burden that one can dispense in a casual manner, whether one may be wherever a person can be. Rather, a special place that he has designated where one can beseech Hashem and reach out for his mercy. 
So naturally, when we visit another synagogue, we may select any place available to daven, since the regulars may have already fixed seats. So you may want to ask the goodbye, you know, let's say in the women's section, you're not really going to ask because really, but do some women do have fixed seats where to sit. So if you can ask someone where to best sit, and if someone is a regular there can tell you, then you should ask that person. So for a regular who discovers a newcomer sitting in her seat, let's say a common courtesy this dictates that you don't embarrass you know her by advising her that this is your seat so compelling her to find another rather you find another seat within a radius of four amos like approximately six feet from your permanent seat if possible if it's your seat that maybe someone sat into so when we recite the Shemona Esrei we turn towards Jerusalem so we are always facing Jerusalem when we're davening Jerusalem is not our holiest city it represents the very not only I'm sorry it's not only our holiest city it represents the very future of our people Jerusalem is a city of our dreams the rebuilding of our temple the arrival of Mashiach and the Messianic era our vision of Jerusalem is the promise of our ultimate hope and salvation and the site of the holy temple is located in jerusalem so where in earlier times sacrifices and prayers represented all jews so from temple times jews offered prayers that rose to the heavens from jerusalem so according to our tradition all of our prayers from wherever they originate are directed towards jerusalem where they ascend to heaven and tradition teaches us that even nowadays when prayer is the sole offering of the Jewish people, they are received in heaven together with those of Jews all over the world. So what's more, every moment in real time, there are prayers directed to Jerusalem from every corner of the earth. When the time in Jerusalem is 11 p.m. and London is 9 p.m. And Jews can be davening Mariv while their fellow Jews in Los Angeles and Chicago, where it's 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. respectively, might be beginning Mincha. So no matter where in the world you are praying, your heart should be focused on Jerusalem so that all our tefilos are directed to the same place. So, and those that are in Jerusalem, if you are here, Baruch Hashem, okay, then you face and you look to face where the Kodesh HaKodeshim once stood, where the Temple Mount is. That's where you'll be facing. And so now, getting into the mindset for prayer. A brief meditation period may help us focus on Hashem. We need to adjust our mindset and be ready for tefillah. In order to accomplish this, we have to keep in mind one important maxim. Know before whom you are standing. And so we realize that we're standing before Hashem, our God. We know that we are standing before the one God and He loves us, our Father in Shemayim. And this affects our posture as we approach the heavenly throne. So as children before our father, we sometimes sway back and forth as if we're reaching out to him. So not only do we pray with our mouths, but every limb and organ of our bodies join together in praising him. So we reach out to become close to him. So just as the root of the word for sacrifice means closeness, we seek his embrace. But sometimes nearness is not enough. We want to cling to him and to his gift of life and we, which will sustain us forever. And at the same time, he is the king of the universe who holds us accountable for our deeds. In His Majesty's presence, we are in awe. We are speechless at the very outset. So what can we say? What should we say? When we turn to God and appeal, my master, open my lips so that my mouth may declare your praise. 
This concept of, of standing before the king of the universe explains much of the protocols of how we conduct ourselves during the Shemona Esrei. We bow four times during the Shemona Esrei, twice in the first blessing, Abos, and twice during the blessing of Modeim, and one bow when commencing and one bow when concluding the Bracha. And we also take three steps backwards and forward before beginning and ending the Shemona Esrei, which demonstrates that we are seeking an audience with the king and departing from our meeting place with him. During the Shemona Esrei itself, we're, we're to stand erect at attention as befits the protocol of our meeting with the king. So the Jew whose hands are outstretched to heaven, pleading as it were for God's help and praising him at the very same time is the Jew who cleaves to God. And sometimes we speak to God with tears and he carefully bows as he enters the place of the king of the universe and stands in awe and trepidation as we come into this stark realization. Why am I privileged to stand before the almighty king? I'm not worthy of anything he gives me. And before I even ask him for anything, he already knows what I need. So such a Jew should know that you are privileged to stand before the king because you are the son of Abraham or the daughter, that you are the daughter of Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov, who introduced our God to the world. You are privileged to stand before the king because he has honored you with his service. And in his service, you follow the royal protocol of bowing before his holy majesty three times a day. And sometimes once a day for women who hold that minhag that it is once a day. And sometimes a Jew smiles with joy for she's reaching out to her father in heaven who is the epitome of loving kindness. And this Jew serves God with joy. And there are Jews, there are two Jews, are these two Jews, the one who reaches out to his Holy Father in heaven with elation and the other one who trembles and in awe before the king. Are they different Jews? Are we different type of Jews? So the answer is an equivocal no. Uh, equivocal no. There's, there's only one, we're all one and the same. The, that we're models of our Shemona Esrei and they bring with them all the feelings of love and the joy the awe and the humility that's all part of us when we pray to our creator and in the end while some jews may sway and pray others will stand still but we're still we're all relating to god as king of the universe and as our father in heaven our halachic sources support this idea by suggesting that one who normally stands still while praying may switch to the method of swaying back and forth like shuckling you know so the mishnah brura concludes that both of these approaches are authentic as long as you are directing your heart to Shemayim. So with Seattle Nishmaya, we'll continue and we'll talk about the meditation that we need to have to enhance our tefillah experience. Baruch Adonai Leolama, Amen ve Amen.